From the desk of Jess of Flower comes Author Brand Podcast Episode Number Two. Hey everybody, thanks so much for coming back. <laughs> I know it's been a long time since a uh, podcast has been released. Uh, not really a whole lot of excuses, had some computer issues and did some traveling for work, but I'm back and uh, we're going to make these things every week uh, as much as we can. We want to make sure that we get content out and uh, we want to try to help authors build their brands because that is the goal of this podcast and we want to uh, just have a good time together. So anyway, thanks again for coming back. Had some really good comments from some of you guys. A um, couple of things that uh, that were really interesting that I want to address. Number one, uh, I had a couple of people ask if we are going to make a just complete uh, uncut version of the audiobook uh, so that that way we didn't actually have them broken up uh, week after week, maybe after we were all done. And I think that's a great idea. I think we will go ahead and try and do that. So after we kind of finish with reading through the portions of the book that we're going to read through. We can try to make a full audiobook version of Daisy Hill, and I think that'd be good. Another comment that came through is um, that we would like to actually create just a segment in the uh, podcast that's actually a writing prompt, so we will actually try that as well. So we kind of talked about it last week just a little bit and briefly covered it in passing, but to actually make it a formal segment, some people were saying that that helped them. Uh, that they were actually uh, inspired them to do a little bit of writing on their own. And hey, if that's what we're doing, that is exactly the goal behind it. So anyway, thanks for coming back for episode two. We're going to have a quick chapter break uh, so that we can go into chapter two of Daisy Hill, meet our, our, our lead character, and then we'll have some talk about process afterwards. So uh, enjoy, and we will talk to you soon. Chapter two. The Reverend saw her, the girl. Again, tears streaming, mouth-forming words he could not understand, no matter how hard he tried, no matter how much he concentrated. Her hands clasped in front of her, pleading, begging. Poor thing. She only looked to be nineteen, maybe twenty. Brown skin, wide, elegant face, hair as black as raven feathers, and tears. So many tears. Yet the only thought that clubbed the reverend's memories over and over was a place— a place different from where this young girl lived. So why was he seeing fig trees instead of pines? Why was he seeing olive branches instead of cottonwood? Where? Macedonia. Paul saw that vision. The man begged him to come, help us, help us, please. So Paul went. Macedonia. The Joshua trees creaked in the distance as the apostle determined to go. And still the Indian girl cried, but not in Macedonia. No Joshua trees, no olives, no figs, daisies, daisies everywhere. A little Indian girl crying in the biggest field of daisies that you'd ever seen. The Reverend woke up. It was cold. March often was in the Willamette Valley. Samson? He ventured. Couldn't hear a sound. Samson? The Reverend raised the volume and leaned up on his elbow. There he was. Big old piebald Clydesdale horse, mammoth of a horse he was. He sauntered over, responding to that call that sounded just a little too worried. Get over here, you big lug, the reverend sighed. Enormous hooves clothed in long hair trampled over. Honeybees hovered as the giant feet trampled their mother load. Then they returned to scavenge what was left. I had that dream again, the reverend confessed to his horse. 
Samson said nothing. The girl. The girl in the daisies. A deep rattle of Samson's bit between the massive teeth. What do you... What do you think she needs, boy? Why... Why is she crying? Samson breathed out, flapping those big lips. The reverend rubbed his face and the stubble made a scratching sound in the thin morning air. Samson started pulling at the thick grass that the reverend had slept on. Guess it looked better than the stuff he was munching before. The reverend could hear hundreds of blades popping as they snapped off by those monster horse teeth. Even some of the dew-laden mouthfuls squeaked when Samson bit into them. His giant jaw worked as the great clacking teeth worked the bites into a soupy green paste. It sounded like hazelnuts rattling in a wet gunny sack. Macedonia, the reverend said. Samson grazed, although slower. I guess it's like Macedonia, like Paul, called to come, maybe Jonah? What, what do you think, boy? You think this old circuit rider is being called, called by God like Paul was? Samson stopped and eyed the preacher with his giant eye. <laughs> okay, okay, maybe not the apostle. Uh, Jonah, then? Samson stared. Such a good horse. God in heaven. The reverend would swear on his life that that big animal understood, knew, responded. Maybe he'd been alone for too, too long, wandering and alone. The reverend started to get up. It was a chore, darn fool leg. He flattened his shoulder blades to the ground, flung his left arm across, momentum carried him over, and in one swift motion his left leg, his strong, good leg, found purchase. His hands were stable, so he pushed. He was up, somewhat mobile. He began packing his meager camp. Getting up was always a chore, maybe even a chore and a half. The rest of the gearing up didn't take long, though, and within minutes the reverend's bedroll and meager camp was packed up and loaded back on Samson. The reverend grunted and scaled up the mountain of a horse. His horse. Good old Samson. They rode. They rode for a long time, on a cool day. The reverend breathed in grass, pine, water. Yeah, it smelled like water. He couldn't explain how he knew, but he could always smell water. He was glad as the click of a parched throat began to accompany his swallows. Samson was definitely in need of the cool purchase of water. Whoever drinks of this water shall thirst again. Oh, boy, that's the truth. Samson shook his big, strong head and whinnied a little. Easy, you're okay. The reverend patted his brown neck and tugged a little on his mane to let him know he was serious. Not enough to hurt him, just to remind him he was up there. Samson blew out subdued frustration, but just stood there and waited for his master to direct him. This way, boy. Now the horse wanted to move, but he still waited for it, with the familiar command that always signaled the direction. Hallelujah. Samson started to move then. He even turned slightly before he felt the rain pull, already anticipating, then heading in the direction more quickly when he was sure the reverend directed him. Samson. Best horse in the world. Faithful, strong, smart, fast, faithful. Yes, twice faithful. Samson trudged for about a mile until they saw the green line of trees. He perked his head and picked up the pace. Samson was definitely thirsty. It was the tail end of an extended trip through the Willamette Valley. While the air was chilly in March, it was colder at the coast, and the Reverend was glad they were inland. They had camped somewhere between Alsea and Skinner's Mudhole, although many were upset at that name, claiming defiantly that it was called Eugene now. Progress, progress, progress. It was nice to be in familiar territory, though. The 
Reverend honestly hoped he would find more success at some homesteads farther inland. Alsea was not a productive area of ministry. Mostly army folks, some displaced Indians. The army all declared to have already had more Bible teaching than they needed, and the Indians didn't want anything to do with a dusty Methodist circuit rider. They often didn't. It was tough to convince them that a thousand years of tradition doesn't compare with the good old-fashioned truth of the Word of God, especially when taught by a stranger. Well, maybe they come around. Even as the Reverend and Samson rode up over that last hill and passed a little dirt road called Territorial, they could hear the train in Junction City. And while the Reverend loved progress and intercontinental travel and trade just as much as the next guy, that steam whistle still made him uneasy. He didn't know. Just made his heart skip a little every time he heard it. Now his plan was to get rested and restocked in Junction City, then head north to some of the areas that he'd never been to. It wasn't technically within his circuit, but it seemed that the Reverend was wearing out his welcome in some of the homes and small towns that they were used to seeing him every couple of months. The Reverend wanted to leave some of his visits well behind him. For instance, what happened with that little Indian reservation outside of Florence? Evidently, the Sayuslaw tribe did not like to see white people after they invited the tribe to leave their own homes, and they sure as anything didn't want to learn about an old white god that the paleface answers to. Samson jostled the reverend back to the matter at hand by stumbling just a bit on some of the rocks leading down to the river. Amen, amen, he soothed, and Samson stopped, like always, so faithful. He breathed out and glanced up at the rider. That big old brown eye was clear enough. Any time, Reverend, I sure would like a sip, and I can't do it with your funny leg thumping me in the kidneys. <sighs> all right, all right. Hold your, uh, horses. He breathed out again. He looked away, as if he could have rolled those big eyes at that joke. He definitely would have. Dismount. The Reverend dismounted the way he had several thousand times before, and although he was an expert at it by then, it looked awkward every time. The Reverend swung his good leg over, shifted his weight to turn himself on his belly, held onto the horn with his right hand and the back of the saddle with his left, and lowered himself gently into the dirt with as little impact as possible. The metal contraption on the Reverend's right leg clicked and squeaked. He leaned down and buckled the bottom of it around his brown cracked leather boot. The pain had been gone since the Reverend's teenage years, but the atrophied and crooked leg looked strange and ugly within the iron cage of a brace. A friend had fashioned it for the preacher, a friend he was excited to see soon. On that day when the Reverend first strapped it on, it was said that the brace would help him and would still be able to ride correctly and walk without a cane. Well, this was true, but the mechanical monstrosity sure drew lots of attention. The Reverend at first tried to use it to his advantage, use it as a conversation starter or something of that nature. Often when a circuit rider came into town, there were very few that wished to come right out and shake the visitor's hand. He was never really sure why. Bigger cities that had their own churches often had preachers and pastors that the town loved, respected. They would help the man of God offer to come over and fix the side of his barn. Young people might be ordered by their parents to feed his chickens or gather his eggs for him. And then in return, he'd pat them on the head and send them on their way home to their mothers with most of their eggs anyway, just waving and grinning, God bless you to boot. Enter this itinerant. Dusty, wide-brimmed black hat pulled far too over his eyes to block the sun. Scratched, threadbare, dark wool, brown overcoat with a left arm seam coming loose and a right pocket torn and dangling. 
black vest with a white minister's collar over a sweaty cream shirt and black canvas trousers with holes starting in the knee. Face that was handsome, yes, but tired. Deep lines that were dark with years of road dirt. He would saunter in on old Big Samson and get a sideways glance and only an occasional nod. Every now and then someone would try to look casual as they moved their hand to the butt of their pistol. The reverend would always smile inwardly when he saw that. And then the preacher would dismount in his unique way and lower himself to the ground in order to try to minimize any pain or noise. Some cowboys jingled when they walk, usually big almighty Texans that were proud of their shiny spurs. Not the reverend. He didn't really jingle. It was an uneven, disturbing gait that drew more shifty stares than smiles. Thud, clank, thud, clank. He would tip his hat. Thud, clank. Reverend? Uh, good morning, sir. This here is uh, Samson. Is there a place I can water him down? Afraid not, Reverend. Sorry. Fair enough. I sure would like to talk to you about some good news I've heard. Probably not too many interested in that news round here, Reverend. Oh, it's good news, friend. Best news you can hear. Have a good day, Reverend. Then you would move on. Maybe next time. Or maybe not. Maybe not at all. The Reverend struggled with different forms of sharing his belief. Faith. He meant faith. The word always sounded so forced. He even attempted the fiery approach that might frighten some away from the danger of fire and brimstone, but that only caused more animosity. Now, the Reverend also did fairly well with young ones. They were often drawn to the strange contraption lashed to his withered leg and would ask him questions. The Reverend would answer and always thank God that the disease had only taken his leg and not his life. Then he would invite them to pet Samson, who was the model of patience, even if the kids patted him too hard or stroked too close to his eyes. He'd even nudge them a bit and send them into fits of giggling. Uh-oh, looks like Samson's giving you young ones a hard time. Did he do that on purpose, sir? Oh, yeah, he's ornery like that sometimes. The other successes he experienced had always come from simply making camp just outside of town and just lending a hand wherever he could. He would shore up a beam like the other man hammered it into place, and he would take a large bundle from an old woman on her way home from the general store, not say a word, just smile and carried and tipped his hat. Thank you kindly, Reverend. God bless you, ma'am. Same to you. The Reverend patted Samson's muscular flank and yanked his water skin from the saddlebag as Samson moved toward the rocky riverbank. The rider groaned, plopped down beside the steed onto the bank of the river. Wump, clank, squeak. The Reverend shivered at the last sound. It reminded him of the squeal of a fork on a tin plate when you cut too deep into a pork chop. Oh, the reverend's mother used to make the best pork chops anyone had ever tasted. Tender, moist, thick. The reverend thought about what he liked best about eating that slab of meat. The best part about it wasn't the chop, not the gravy, not even the potato. It had to be the chair. See, that was your chair. Nobody else could have sat there. It was yours on Sunday after church. It was yours on Thursday afternoons after you hauled in the wood. Your chair in your house that sat on your property. The Reverend heard something. The sound of some kind of winged grasshopper flapping like a rattle. The Reverend plunged his water skin into the icy current and filled up. The, Re the Willamette was clean and fresh. It was the strangest river, though. It always looked to him like it ran the wrong way. It appeared to run south to north. 
nothing the pe preacher could really explain. It just always looked funny to him. He sat there, breathed, wished a little. He'd begun doing that more in the past few years, and he was feeling a little guilty about it, too. He wiped off his cheek as Samson lapped and shook his head, clinking his harness and splashing the minister with saliva. The horse exhaled, sounding like a raspberry, and lowered his massive head and neck to the water again. He readjusted on the rocks with his feet. The reverend looked and tried to see if one of his shoes were coming loose again. Always on the way from the coast, it... and that's when he saw the rattlesnake. It had already coiled up, and the earlier sound was no grasshopper. A quick mental curse flashed in the reverend's head for not catching it earlier, and in the same instance he sent up a prayer of forgiveness, but he got ready in an instant. He was instantly angry. He should have known, should have watched, should have checked, should have listened better. The serpent had been warning them before they even started drinking. The reverend shoved guilt out of the way. He embraced adrenaline-laced anger and felt his senses quicken. Samson, he softly said and clicked with his tongue. Come here, boy. Samson, faithful. We started to walk toward the man. If he continued slowly enough, perhaps that filthy reptile would just let them, and it struck. For a moment, the rattlesnake blended into the rocks, making it almost impossible to see. As its crazy, sin-induced body stretched out in attack and its demonic fangs protruded even past the normal limits of its pink, open maw, a crash of thunder rocked the atmosphere and deafened all ears. A small explosion of red blood and yellow venom erupted in a spray directly behind Samson's rear left hoof. The reference weapon was extended in his hand, a shortened rifle. It belched smoke like a powerful giant cigar. Samson jerked and jumped, but did not bolt. His big brown eyes darted and searched, and he was stamping the river rocks as if to make wine. The reverend replaced his weapon as fast as he had drawn it and heaved himself up to calm his faithful horse. The brace squealed as it scraped river rock. Easy, easy, you're okay, you're okay, shh. The eyes questioned the man, but only for a moment. I'm sure, I'm sure I blew that little devil all the way back to hell. Pretty darn good shot, too, if you ask. See it? I got it right in the air. It struck. I got that little sucker right in the mouth, boy. The preacher realized he was speaking loud to hear himself over the ging, ging, ging in his head as the ears recovered from the retort. The huge eyes glanced at the reverend again. The man conceded. <sighs> Humility, huh? All right. All right, you big thankless hoss. Samson still shuffled a bit. The minister put his hand on the massive flank, wet, quivering, nervous. The horse's breath still puffed in large, snotty exhales. The reverend stroked the giant neck, arteries the size of a man's thumb, pounded blood in rapid, hurried thumps. Hey, hey, you're fine. Calm it down, get it together. Here, hold still while I put my water skin back in. The reverend repacked and shuffled to the other side of Samson. He had to. He couldn't mount with his right leg. Now, between Samson and the reptilian beast, he was able to get a closer look at that hell spawn. The snake still swirled around in spasms of decapitation, leaving tendrils of yellow and red slime over the river rocks. I've got my knife right here. You want the rattle? The man asked Samson. A glance. Come on, a souvenir. Samson looked away. Oh, you big-footed baby, he said, and limped over to the twitching and twisting thing. Its ruined mass where the head should have been had stained the river rock with its dripping and blackened meat. The reverend pulled the buck knife and sliced at the wide base of the light brown beads. The biggest was so dark it looked black. The others gradually reduced in size until the peak, which was a bright cream button no bigger than a pinhead. The stump of the tail that flopped down was pink and pulsing. 
The reverend tried to kick it toward the river with his brace leg, but part of the snake got caught in the metal and wouldn't release, like a dying grasp. He reached down and gripped it, shuddered as he felt its stump somewhat still living, and yanked it free. Then he hucked it into the shallows and heard a satisfying sploosh. Samson snorted. Yeah, good riddance, huh? Hey, boy, look at this. Uh, fifteen. That sucker was old. The reverend held it up for the steed's inspection. Samson actually turned his head to avoid seeing it. All right, all right, I get it, I get it, let's go. He heaved into the saddle, turned the horse around. Hallelujah, he commanded, and Samson started up the bank toward Junction City. He glanced back a couple of times with his huge head. The rider did not. They rode for a quarter of an hour when they started seeing Holmes. No matter what, Holmes were the hardest things for the Reverend to see. Call of God was one thing, his design, his plan, his direction, sure, he knew that. But the Holmes. Temptation that was soft, smooth, and aromatic. Oh, God. To have a fence that he needed to fix. To have a shop where all his tools were kept. To have a place to sleep that didn't need all the rocks swept away first. To have his pork chop on his plate, on his table, sitting in his chair. Now, the circuit rider was never really tempted by the drink. Never indulged in the strange tobacco that some of the Indians used. He wasn't given into looking for ladies for poor reputation in the towns he visited. But he struggled continuously for one indulgence. Home. One such home crawled closer as Samson clopped over the rise. A thick man chopped wood by the side of the house. The reverend's belly ached as he watched him. Funny, but he envied the woodpile of all things. Yeah, his own strong and wiry arms swinging his own axe into his own woodpile. In the front of the homestead, a tired woman was shaking bedclothes off the porch. Just off the porch, a small boy of six dug a hole. The man and his horse approached. The woodchopper glanced up then turned back to his mole. The woman whipped the giant clothes and smiled. The boy stopped digging and gaped up at the minister as he stopped Samson on the road in front of the house. The boy dropped his small broken shovel and ran up to the visitors. He sprinted until he was only about four feet from the pair. The reverend placed his hand on Samson to make sure he didn't spook. Well, hi there, partner, the reverend said, tipping his hat. Hi, mister, said the boy. Uh, reverend corrected the mother from behind him. She had moved closer as the boy approached the strangers. The preacher wasn't sure if it was to correct the boy or protect him. She still had a smile that seemed genuine. Now, ben, she continued, this is a man of God, a preacher. You speak to him with respect, okay? Okay, he repeated. Well, you look busy, young man, the reverend said. What are you digging? A grave? Oh, mercy, Ben, I swear, started the mother. The reverend laughed genuinely enough and held up his hand to reassure her. A grave? he asked. For what? A bird. I found it dead this morning. Oh, I see, the circuit rider said. He smiled with compassion. The little boy's eyes squinted up at the reverend. Dirt from the grave was still on his forehead. Can you heal it, reverend? asked the boy. Ben, chided the mother. It's a fair question, ma'am, said the preacher. I'll do my best to answer well. He placed his hand on his right thigh, leaned down slightly, looking very wise, looking very knowledgeable, ready to teach what he could. Well, son, the reverend said to him, I believe God heals when we ask him, but sometimes a bird's time is up, and there's no bringing it back, no matter how much we pray. The boy took in the answer. 
took it in like castor oil. Then he vomited his response. What's wrong with your leg? The mother did not chide him. She was aghast, mouth open, frozen. Her eyes gaped and made her look young and stupid. The eyes for a moment were on Ben and spoke of surprise. Then they darted to the reverend and screamed with curiosity. The mall chalked a stump in the background. The reverend continued slower. Good question, son. Looks strange, doesn't it? The boy nodded. The reverend repeated the story that he had so many times after so many visits. Well, I got sick when I was a little older than you. My leg has been like this ever since. Now God blessed me so that this is all that happened. I could have died, but I didn't. Just my leg. Now a friend of mine made this brace for me. It helps me walk and ride my horse. Now his name is Samson. God can't heal your leg? The boy challenged. Ben! The mother snapped out of her stupor. <laughs> well, sure God can heal my leg. Then why don't he? Silence. Only the sounds of the axe. Chalk. 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 Desire welled up in the reverend. Fierce, caressing lust. The woodpile. The feel of his own axe handle, worn from using it every single day. Word for wood for his fire. Suddenly a small pop. The mother had hit the child, flat head against right ear. The boy's head rocked. The boy named Ben glanced at his glowering mother, then he retreated, crying. Reverend, I I am so sorry. He he doesn't know any better. We just been meaning to get him to church. We just ma'am, said the Reverend. He touched his hat. The woman did not say another word. The brace squeaked as it touched Samson's flank, almost as if it laughed and tattled on the preacher's desire to move on, which they did. All right, that's the end of chapter two. So hopefully you enjoyed that. Got a chance to meet our main characters, the Reverend, known only as the Reverend right now, uh, and his faithful horse, Samson. Um, <laughs> these two guys popped in my head early on and uh, I've had some people read it and say that they're pretty stereotypical when it comes to, you know, cowboy and his horse. But to me, the idea of a circuit rider out there all by himself uh, was pretty intriguing to me from the beginning. And so sorry if that falls into stereotype for some people, but uh, to me, they were interesting. And uh, what made him more interesting is the weakness that I gave him. Um, you know, obviously a polioed uh, leg that he has and a kind of a strange brace type contraption that squeaks and is not very effective. Um, something that's just kind of interesting as a character. And then really the thing that to me, I know this is a longer chapter, so this portion might not be as long, but uh, the thing that was interesting to me about him and as I began to write and this came out was his weakness. Uh, not, not just the leg, but the weakness in terms of what was his temptation and his temptation is to stop. Um, his temptation is to have a home, you know, to have something that belongs to him and not to be out and about. And so there's some biblical stuff that goes with that, too. If you know anything about that or have read it at all, you know, it, it talks about um, even Jesus when he said that, you know, um, that he didn't have room to lay his head. And, you know, foxes, you know, have holes, but I don't have a place to go. And it's kind of a similar thing that this circuit writer goes through, but he really wants it and um, kind of pines for it in a way. And so I thought that was kind of interesting. In addition, there's something else going on there, and you only discover it right there at the end when he's challenged with his faith, and it's something that's different, even though it comes from a little boy. It, you know, it comes and it really asks the direct question, can God heal, yes or no? 
and he can't answer that. And so there's a reason why he can't answer that. And there's a reason why uh, it even led to him basically ending the conversation, not continuing it and kind of leaving bitter about it. And so we'll get to see where that leads and why maybe why his reaction is with that. And part of that is what will lead to kind of this week's segment of writing prompt uh, is to come up with a way in your lead character to surprise yourself and surprise your reader. You know, um, it's really boring to have a lead character that uh, kind of acts the way you think he or she is going to act. But to do something that's different, you know, to have a, a preacher or a, you know, a minister of the gospel basically just walk away <laughs> and kind of be rude and shut down the conversation and say, uh, I'm out of here because I can't answer your question and I'm embarrassed. And, you know, to have that kind of a surprising aspect may be a little bit interesting down the road to see what his main struggle is. So this week, uh, while you're writing, take can, t- take another look at your main character and see if he or she will say something or do something that is contrary to what people would think that they would do. Even if you don't keep it, just write it and see if you can uh, surprise yourself and maybe discover something about their motivation. Remember, a lead character, if they just have things done to them, it's dull. But if they are active and they are doing things, even things that are surprising, it can be a lot more fun to read. So thanks again for coming back this week. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm going to get another one out shortly so that that way we can have three on there. Would still love to hear reviews, uh, positive reviews on iTunes if you can, or if you have anything else, you can get a hold of me. Remember, my my website is jessupflower.com. You can follow me on Twitter at at jessflower or even facebook.com slash jessupflower. I'd love to hear from you. I would love to hear your comments and have a great writing week. Until next time, take care.